and I'm still getting a lot of <laughs> from you. Like it's really loud. I don't know how to help with that. Where is your Where is your mic positioned? By my chin. By by your chin, huh? Yeah. Somehow your mouth, your nose is like blowing directly into it. It's definitely not. <laughs> I can't sure? even hear my exhaling. Are you sure it's your only nose? I'm pretty sure. Okay. I'm not hearing it now. Only when you laugh through your nose. Just like that. It's like yeah. elephants. It's like <laughs> elephants. So instead of doing that, go, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, I'll do my best. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. Something natural like that. Yeah, definitely natural. Good. Or just don't laugh at all my hilarious jokes. What jokes? Hey, everyone. I'm Phil. <laughs> and I'm uh, Willow. <laughs> <laughs> and it's del toro, del toro time. time you're late you're late with your del toro we miss yeah i was laughing <laughs> at all my jokes <laughs> Everyone who has traveled over eastern England knows the smaller country houses with which it is studded. The rather dark little buildings, usually in the Italian style, surrounded with parks of some 80 to 100 acres. For me, they have always had a very strong attraction with the grey paling of split oak, the noble trees, the mares with their reed beds, and the line of distant woods. Then I like the pillared portico, perhaps stuck on to a red brick Queen Anne house which has been faced with stucco to bring it into line with the Grecian taste of the end of the 18th century. The hall inside going up to the roof, which hall ought always to be provided with a gallery and a small organ. I like the library too, where you may find anything from a Psalter of the 13th century to a Shakespeare quarto. I like the pictures, of course, and perhaps most of all, I like fancying what life in such a house was when it was first built and in the piping times of landlord's prosperity, and not least now, when, if money is not so plentiful, taste is more varied and life quite as interesting. I wish to have one of these houses and enough money to keep it together and entertain my friends in its modesty. But this is a digression. I have to tell you of a curious series of events which happened in such a house as I have tried to describe. It is Castringham Hall in Suffolk. Um, so yeah, so hi, welcome back to The Dark Descent. The Darkest Descent. The Darkest Descent of all, David G. Hartwell's The Dark Descent. Collection of short stories that we are covering because we can't be in the same room with each other to talk about movies, so we're doing short stories. Stories. And who is on the who is on the plate today? Who is who are we who are we serving up a heap and helping of today? Mr. James. Miss. <laughs> Did we make this joke last episode? Probably. Mr. James. Uh, and what is his story? He did the ash tree. Yep, he did the ash tree. <laughs> That's not the name of the story. The title of the story is. 
the ash tree is the name of the story could be he did the ash tree he did he did the ash tree which would make sense because like uh he tends to t- he has some long titles for his stories so like oh whistle and i'll come to you my lad uh when it's adapted is typically adapted just as oh whistle and i'll come to you uh that's only subtracting two words from or it. the stalls of barchester cathedral are usually is is have been adapted as the stalls of barchester so that's he, also just one word but still like it's a few syllables and so i can see where like he wrote the ash tree if it was if that was the name of the story it would be would be abbreviated as simply the ash tree yep this is a fun topic. It's a fun conversation fun. to talk about. Fun things to think about. Let's just play a let's play a mental game of how long could a title be? I don't know. Ask a Fallout Boy. Ask Ask Mr. James. Let's see um, what's the longest title in this book. In this book? Yeah. Uh wow, I don't know. Why don't you dig that up? I'm doing that right now. And I think that it's there's a long, long trail of winding. <laughs> There's a long, long trail. Oh, that that's in your copy of the book. I yeah. see. That's also oh, that's in, in my copy, copy too. Yeah, book. yeah. There's a long, long trail of winding by Russell Kirk, which we'll be getting to in a couple of, in a couple of episodes. But uh, there's also a little something for us temp, temp, tempnots, tempnots. Yeah, there's there's like. Uh, repent, Harlequin! Cried the TikTok man. Like there's like famous short stories that have incredibly long titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- there was a period of time, and I don't know when. Uh, let me see. What was that one called again? Um, the Long Trail. I was just gonna say, was that written in the seventies? Yes, it was. There was this period in the sixties and seventies where like sci-fi short stories and uh, and like just genre short stories had really like kind of ponderously long titles. Uh, I think to sort of give them a, a, a sense of weight, they didn't necessarily earn in the actual body of the story. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so there was a, so so that uh, John McCoy, my my co-host of the uh, the podcast I used to do called Click It Cast, uh, just loved to revel in these stupid titles that that authors would give their stories that didn't quite earn them. But uh, so Mr. James, Mr. M. R. James, Mr. Montague Rhodes James. Uh, died in uh, 1936 at the age of 73 and pretty much spent his entire life uh, in college. Nice. <laughs> pretty much. That was that was pretty much his life. He was, uh, as it says, if you just look at his bio, um, he was a, he was a, an author, a scholar. He was provost of King's College and of Eton College. Like he just he went to school and then he just stayed in school, uh, just running schools. Well, he um, died when he was 33, you said? No, he died at the age of seventy-three in nineteen thirty-six. No, he died in thirty-six at seventy-three. No, he 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 had a good long life. Um, he was part of a, a literary circle of of writers who would entertain one another. Uh, he you know ran a college. He wrote a lot of stuff on antiquary stuff and uh, architecture and obviously a lot of medieval scholarship and he wrote ghost stories mm-hmm. he or monster stories in this case yeah um they're they're called ghost stories but they frequently are more like supernatural stories mm-hmm. um i won't go too much into mr james because uh and i'm saying mr james not as a joke <laughs> uh uh I-, I won't go too much into him there is a fascinating podcast in existence called the podcast to the curious if you want to know more about M.R. James, they have been recording for, I think, 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, they do 
they kind of do they do fewer than 12 episodes a year so it took them a while to get through all of mr james stuff now they're doing kind of like us now they're doing stories inspired by mr james or from his like circle of friends mm-hmm. so but i definitely tune into a podcast to the curious these those guys are they they rock they're they're very funny they are uh, very insightful they do their homework Mm-hmm. Um, all I'll say, all else I'll say about Mr. James is that he he published several collections of short stories. The first one, "Ghost Stories of an Antiquary," came out in 1904, and had uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of his first his first I guess basically his first eight ghost stories. Uh, mm-hmm. And these had appeared in a few other places before then, in like literary magazines. But basically, he would write basically kind of like a ghost story a year, more or less, at nice. Christmas time. Just to read to his friends and family, just to entertain people. So if you can if you can imagine this story having been written to be read out loud to a bunch of people uh, at nighttime in front of a fire, everyone has like a warm drink. It's almost Christmas time, and it's time for a spooky story that you relate as if it was a real story. That's kind of the that's kind of the gist he's going for. So there's a lot of good humor, a lot of like asides and personal opinions, and then a big boo jump scare at the end to kind of shake everyone up before you move on to the rest of your party or everyone goes to bed and has trouble sleeping that night. And that's, you know, now, uh, that, now that I know it's meant to be read out loud, I understand it a bit more. Uh, yeah. Because there were some parts in here where I was like, I can't comprehend what this is trying to say. <laughs> Well, uh, so this is the ash tree. It's the fourth story in Ghost Stories of an Antiquary. And it's an unusual choice, I think, because I imagine that Oak Whistlin' I'll Come to You, My Lad, Canon Albrecht's Scrapbook, uh, The Mesitant, uh, The Treasure of Abbot Thomas, Count Magnus. There's so many other M.R. James stories that are, I think, scarier. But okay. this one's odd and creepy. Okay, but the first story in this book was The Reach, so... it's <laughs> <This is> true. <laughs> <laughs> Which wasn't scary at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this one's got spider babies. Uh. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to the baby. We'll get you know, to. You know what else has spiders in it that we need to record? What? Scary stories to tell in the dark. You know uh, where there is a story that late, later on that had. Okay. <laughs> you know that. Do you know what collection of short stories? contains a story that is a rewrite of a story that we will be covering uh in our next episode is it scary stories stories to tell in the dark yes uh so yes uh scary stories to tell in the dark very much continues the tradition of some of the stories that we are covering right now we still Um, need to watch that movie together we still do need to watch that movie together um we need to watch any movie together honestly so, uh, so yeah, so the ash tree is, well, kind of, if you can give me a quick rundown, like, what is it kind of about? About this guy who accuses this woman of being a witch. Because this is she, Mother Soul. Yeah, she has a great name. I feel mm-hmm. bad for her. Uh, yeah. She's, like, kind of, like, a great person in the community, I guess. Uh, far, some farmers really like her. They yeah. try and, like, keep her from getting executed. Uh, doesn't work. Nope. They kill her. Uh... And she gets hung. Is she hung on the ash tree? I don't think she's hung on the ash tree. Is she? I think that uh, the ash tree itself is relatively unrelated. Yeah, she was not hung on the ash tree. No, yeah, it's uh, it, it would make sense. Well, I guess it wouldn't make sense. Why would you hang someone on a tree in someone ran someone's <laughs> random yard? 
It's not random. It's the guy who accused her. It's the, but that seems even worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she's executed. Yeah. Uh, and she's pissed. Yeah. <laughs> when she, she gets executed. They make a big deal about how angry she is when she gets executed. Right. And they also make a big deal about the fact that Sir Matthew Fell, the guy who, the guy who accused her, essentially, didn't really want her to be executed. Like, yeah. He wasn't like champing at the bit to see a to see an old woman hanged was she old Uh, i thought she was young um i think in the book she's old but in the adaptation she's young Mm. uh because the adaptation plays a lot more into like her her like kind of attractiveness and his like attraction to her Mm -hmm. um but in any case he doesn't want her really he's not really into it but he can't lie about what he saw yeah which was like just her like Cutting some branches from the ash tree. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So there is the ash tree. And uh, and he's like, she was. She had a weird looking knife. She was cutting off some branches. And they're like, I think she's a witch. And he was uh, like, uh, uh, okay. Because he would say that like whenever she would, she would always escape, but he couldn't tell how. And there would always be like an animal running away. A rabbit. A rabbit, which was considered a, a witch's familiar. Like a yeah. hare was considered like very much a witch's familiar. Oh, and the story takes place in the 1690s, by the yes. by. Yes. With the witch craze going on. Right, so it's I not unusual. I have many thoughts about the witch trials, but I'm not going to get into that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because these are shorter episodes. Yep. Um, so then what happens to Mr. Matthew, Sir Matthew Fell? He dies. Yes. Just his window is open, and the next morning he he looks bad. The door was opened at last from the outside, and they found their master dead in black. So something bad happened to him. Yeah, so much you have guessed that there were any marks of violence did not at the moment appear, but the window was open. Yeah, yeah. He was not black before he went to bed. No. No. Um, which is unusual. So you're like, and, and they actually do like a rudimentary autopsy on him. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we can't figure out what happened to this guy. And also the women who carried him, their arms got swollen. Yeah, that was creepy. The yeah. women preparing the body, like they touch him and they're like, I can't feel my hands. Yep. Uh, something something's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then his son inherits the uh, the house, the, mm-hmm. the the plot. Yep. And uh, and then Nut dies. Uh, he doesn't. He dies after a long life, though. Right. Right. Nothing bad happens to him. Yeah. He. No one stays in the same room that the original Sir Matthew. What the? Yes. F- Sir Matthew stayed in. Right. There's no like they they basically they shut that room up. It's considered like kind of bad luck to go in there. Yeah. And uh, and it's just it's it's forgotten about. This is a huge, by the way, a uh, a huge um, like what is it called? What's the word I'm looking for? Like a like a mansion, like a palace. Yeah. It's 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 there's so many rooms. There's so many uh there's so many like places to stay. Like, they have a guest. I can't think of what the word is that I'm looking for. Um uh a hall. It's hall. It's a hall. Yes. It's a giant hall. Castringham Castringham Hall. It gets uh, turned into a palace later though. Right. It was it's based uh they believe on Livermere Hall, which unfortunately was uh was torn down in like the 1920s. Yeah. But there's photos that exist of it. And you look at this thing and like it's a, it's the kind of place that like back in the back or like way, even before the short story takes place was like fortified. Like it has what had walls and a moat and then the walls were eventually torn down. It just became a place for a rich family to live. Yeah. Uh, so it was a big, yeah, big palace. Um, so, yeah. So the son dies. There's nearly no nothing interesting happens there. And 
then they don't they uh they are going to build onto the family's like section in the church they're gonna like add stuff to like a like a morgue or something well they're gonna add seating yeah that's uh, what i meant i like can't think of the word a pews. coliseum yeah they're gonna they're gonna expand because like if you're for a rich family you have a place in your church for you for all of your family members to sit to show how rich and awesome you are and they're going mm-hmm. to expand it but they need to expand the church which means they need to expand into the uh graveyard uh yes. so they choose to expand into the part of the graveyard where like the uh the paupers are buried and the unmarked graves are and that means they have to dig up mother soul's grave and what do they find when they dig her up it's empty oh no no what one happened? thinks anything of it, though, because as they say, the idea of a zombie didn't quite exist at that time. Just <laughs> right. Even though in many cultures, the ideas of vampires did exist. I don't know. Right. <laughs> European life was weird. I don't understand it. So they burn the coffin because what else are you going to do? Yeah. And uh, then the next son inherits. Uh, Sir <laughs> Richard inherits. Sir Richard fell. He seems like a guy. <laughs> What, what kind of guy does he seem like? Just a guy. He is just a guy. He's very, he's definitely very extravagant. Yes. He's like, uh, I'm going to remodel this hall into an Italian palace. So, and that is some serious business for for Mr. James. He was, a lot of his stories have this like, sort of like backhand, like not even backhanded, this like direct critique on architecture of the day. The thing about Mr. James, he hated change of any kind he hated when architecture changed he hated when art changed he hated when attitudes changed he really just wished everything would stay the way it was forever and never change he must be rolling in his grave right now he must be yeah he's turning somersaults the uh the uh the gravitational pull of the earth is has been affected by how quickly mr james is spinning in his grave Uh, but yeah, no, he was not a fan of uh, the Italian style and the stuccoing of buildings and the tearing apart of like he was. He, that was just the way he was. And unfortunately for him, like that became the style in in on in the, in the English countryside for for a long time. Uh, and he made sure you knew it in his little ghost story, the Ash Tree. Um, so yeah, so he comes in, but he's just a he's just a guy. He like has guests. He's mm-hmm. yeah he, he, he yeah he's just he's just a rich guy. Uh, but then he's gonna have friends over for a weekend. Mm-hmm. And he needs places for them to stay. And he's getting sick and tired of the room he's staying in because he keeps filling with smoke from the chimney. Yep. And he's like, what about this room that no one ever sleeps in? And they're like, no, you should not sleep in there. Yeah, the, the maid is like, uh, it hasn't been opened in a long time. Probably smells really bad. And he's like, open it up. Oh, it does smell bad. We'll open the window and I'll sleep in here anyway. <laughs> right. Oh, and it's, it's drafty and damp. And there's a weird noise coming from the window every night. But whatever, it's better than the other room. There's like 700 rooms. Just yeah, another one. <laughs> but he wants one that doesn't face the north or the west or the east because he doesn't want to be woken up by the sun. No, he wants to be woken up by the sun. I oh, I thought he didn't want to be. I no, that's he why he one that was facing. I'm so confused. This part he, he of the wanted... story really confused me. It's uh, Mr. James uses some like flowery language, and there can be times when he kind of talks around himself in his in his sentences. And you're Just like, wait, what? Some what are you of the like. About? phrasing in the sentences is hard to understand because it goes against like the standard english language like pattern of how sentences mm-hmm. are usually spoken yes exactly uh there are times in his descriptions when i'm like wait what and i have to re- I read them out loud to kind of get like the the rhythm of like okay i think i know what you're trying to say here there is actually a story i can't remember which one of it there's one of his 
uh, I can't remember which one it is now, that is so written like that, that even in a podcast to the curious, they were like confused as to what had actually happened in the story. Yeah. Uh, but most of his stories aren't like that. Most of them are very down to earth. Uh, but he does a few where he gets a little lost in his own, like, and again, maybe it made more sense when he was reading it out loud. Yeah. Because he was able to do the inflections and he knew what he was talking about. So, uh, his, his, uh, all these friends show up to go a hunting. He doesn't feel well after one night in that room. Uh, he kept hearing scrapings and scratchings of the window and he thinks, oh, maybe it's from this ash tree that's outside my window. Maybe it's scraping against the window. But, uh, one of the, one of the people is just like, no, that's impossible. Because the ash tree is like at least a foot away from the window. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, maybe it was like a rat or something scratching at the at the window. I don't know. Uh, climbed up the ivy. We're going to cut this tree down anyway and burn down the ivy. That'll be, that'll be fine. There's yeah. some interesting parts in this book that we just completely skipped over. <laughs> oh, yeah. So so what have we so what have we missed? Well, there's the the first thing I came across when I was looking back through the story was the three trials. Uh, opening the book and mm-hmm. placing my finger upon certain words. Yes. That are like a prophecy or whatever yeah we haven't talked about the vicar yet the first sir matthew uh had a friend who was a uh who was like the local like vicar Mm -hmm. who was who was who was who hung out with him and 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 like was there when the body was found and everything and then that vicar's grandson or son shows back up later on Mm -hmm. to sir richard and he's like oh i have this old bible of of sir matthew and Sir Matthew was doing this like divination technique where you close your eyes and you select like a chat, like a, just a, at random, a phrase from the Bible. And what did it say? One, it said, cut it down. Mm-hmm. In the second, it said, it shall never be inhabited. And on the third, it said, her young ones also suck up blood. Yeah. <laughs> Is that an actual thing from the Bible? Yeah, yeah. Those are actual passages taken wildly out of context. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. And when you put them together, cut it down. Go uninhabited, her young one shall suck up blood. That's creepy. <laughs> so he plays the game himself with his own with the Bible, and mm-hmm. it and he lands on what? Is it thou shalt seek me in the morning, and I shall not be? Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. So he played the game, and he found the passage: uh, "Thou shalt seek me in the morning, and I shall not be," mm-hmm. which is creepy again. It, it more or less comes comes to light, but uh, we also we also passed over the castringum sickness, which is that any animals on the land just die mysteriously in the night. That ha- haven't been locked up. Right. Yeah, they have to be locked away. If they're not, they'll just start dying, and yeah. uh, no one can figure out what's going on. So, uh, so Sir Richard is sleeping in the room uh, that night. He goes to bed. When they wake up in the morning, his guests find him. A dead boy. Deceased. Uh, meanwhile, a cat climbs up the ash tree. You know. As they do. And falls inside. Yep. As they do. And what happens to the cat? It dies. It starts screaming. Yep. And they're like, what the heck's going on? <laughs> so a gardener climbs up with a lantern to look inside. He accidentally drops the lantern and the tree catches on fire. Yeah. Well, that's unusual and, you know, unfortunate. But then what comes out of the tree? First, at the fork, they saw a round body covered with fire, the size of a man's head, appear very suddenly, then seemed to collapse and fall back. This five or six times. Then a similar ball leapt into the air and fell on the grass, where after a moment it lay still. The bishop went as near as he dared to and saw, but the remains of an enormous spider, venous and seared. 
And as the fire burned lower down, more horrible bodies like this began to break out from the trunk, and it was seen that they were covered with grayish hair. All that day the ash burned, and until it fell to pieces, the men stood about it and from time to time killed the brutes as they darted out. At last there was a long interval where none appeared, and they cautiously closed in and examined the roots of the tree. They found, says the Bishop of Kilmore, below it a rounded hollow place in the earth, wherein there were two or three bodies of these creatures that had plainly been smothered by the smoke, and, what is to me more curious, at the side of the sten against the wall was crouching the anatomy or skeleton of a human being, with the skin dried upon the bones, having some remains of black hair, which was pronounced by those that examined it to be undoubtedly the body of a woman, and clearly dead for a period of fifty years. Presumably Mrs. Mother Soul. Yes. And uh, and we didn't mention that, that periodically things have been seen scurrying up and down the tree that people thought were squirrels, but that mm-hmm. seemed to have more legs than a squirrel should have. So, yeah. uh, horrifying giant spiders the size of a man's head have been crawling out of this tree and killing anyone who lives in that room. Yep. That's terrible. Yeah. And kind of an unexpected direction for the story to go in the end. Yeah. Uh, I've read this story before, and I always forget that it's giant, horrible spiders crawling out of a tree that were presumably Mother Soul's familiars? Children, I think, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> They're giant spiders. There will be guests in the hall, and it says that her children shall suck the blood. Her young ones also suck up blood. So was she a witch? Or were there just giant mutant spiders in that tree and people took everything out of context? Why was she climbing the tree and making clippings? For her witchery? Was she trying to keep the giant spiders out? How did she get from her grave into the ash tree? The spiders brought her there. They did? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Believe it or not, there is evidence for uh, spiders being um, witches' familiars. And it was always thought that that wasn't the case until Jacqueline Simpson, writing in uh, in Ghosts and Scholars newsletter, which is a M.R. James newsletter, mm-hmm. was doing her research and discovered that in the 1660s, there was an account of a parade of witches' familiars who were spiders... An innumerable company of spiders of a reddish color. The spectators judged them to have been so many as would have filled a peck, uh, like two gallons, marching together in a strange kind of order from the place where they were first discovered towards one Mr. Duncombe's house, a member of the late parliament, since knighted, and as the people passed the street or came near the spiders to look upon so strange a sight, they would shun the people and kept themselves together in a body till they came to the said Duncombe's house, before whose door there are two great posts. There they stayed, and many of them got under the door into the house, but the greatest part of them, climbing up the posts, spun a very great web presently from one post to the other, and then wrapped themselves in it in two very great parcels that hung down near the ground, which the servants of the house, at last perceiving, got dry straw and laid it under them, and putting fire to it by a sudden flame, consumed the greatest part of them. The number of those that remained were not at all considerable, all the use that the gentleman made of this strange accident, as far as we can learn, is only this, that he believes they were sent to the house by some witches. The theory is that M.R. James would have been aware of this account. Mm-hmm. Also, that M.R. James 
historically was terrified of spiders. Yeah. I'm more I'm more uh, off put by the fact that you said there was evidence that spiders are witches familiars. Uh, <laughs> uh, just that's what I'm more off put by. Um, Why do you say that? I just haven't heard the phrase evidence and witches familiars used in the same oh. sentence before. <laughs> evidence that they were believed to have been capable of being witches familiars in that era. Not that there actually were witch spiders. <laughs> But that, because the, the theory before this was all discovered, people were like, well, it could, there's no legends of witches ever using spiders as familiars. Like, there wasn't until this account was discovered. And people were like, oh, oh, there was a time, it was a, 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 a account of witches using spiders as familiars. And M.R. Okay. James was very likely aware of this account. So, uh, so yeah, they shall seek me in the morning and I shall not meet, by the way, is from Job. A lot of this information I am getting directly from a podcast to the curious they have a lot of this in their notes so this is not my independent research i they they have done the work again please listen to the podcast to the curious for for more information on this now this is a creepy story mm-hmm. a very creepy story and it was and it was adapted into a creepy bbc special mm-hmm. for for christmas <laughs> called the ash tree uh, adapted by uh, playwright david rudkin i don't i don't like spiders <laughs> yeah at all do you like them better when they have baby faces no and scream and cry like babies no because this delightful christmas special decided not only to to show mrs mother low mrs mother souls naked mm-hmm. which it did it showed her being tortured but hung up with her with her bare chest hanging out on on BBC television, I guess for Christmas they were like, "This is good Christmas viewing." Bar- <laughs> the lovely Barbara Ewing playing uh, Mrs. M- playing Anne Mother Soul, as they call her, very good actress. Uh, Edward P- Edward Petherbridge playing Sir Richard and Sir Matthew. Uh, they not only decided to do that, they decided to make the uh, the spiders uh, baby face spiders. No uh, thanks. These, these puppets that actually mewed and cried like 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 tortured infants. <laughs> As they are crawling all over, all over Sir Richard in, and Sir Matt, it's very disturbing. I don't and, like babies or spiders. And so. then when the, when they find Anne Mother Soul's body under the ash tree, it is in a position with its with its legs up. The skeleton is mm-hmm. as if it had been giving birth. Yep. So they really were just like this woman birthed baby head spider monsters to torment the man who got her killed also they really play up the like sexual mm-hmm. uh like tension between between sir richard sir matthew uh sir richard and uh and mother soul like he's obviously attracted to her he's lusting after her mm-hmm. and unlike the original short story it's not told linearly it's told in flashbacks mm-hmm. uh so uh so Sir, uh, so Sir Richard moves into the house and he begins having flashbacks to his ancestors' experience, which I think is somewhat effective. It's yeah. a little confusing, but it's somewhat effective. Partly confusing because it's the same actor, and there's it's a very low budget, so like it's hard to tell when kind of when mm-hmm. they jump from period to period. But in the new version, in the TV version, uh, Sir Richard has a fiance mm-hmm. who shows up, and do you know who who plays the fiance? No. <laughs> The fiance is played by the lovely and talented Lala Ward, mm-hmm. 
um, best known for playing the second Romana on Doctor Who. Oh, nice. Uh, the, the, the incredible Lala Ward, formerly spouse to the loathsome uh, Richard Dawkins. She was married to Richard. She was introduced to Richard Dawkins by Douglas Adams uh, back in the 90s. They got married. And then in 2016, she, she, she separated from him. They say as an amicable separation, but I don't imagine it could possibly have been amicable because Richard Dawkins is such a... I don't know anything about Richard Dawkins. Richard Dawkins is a biologist, a very famous biologist, uh, evolutionary biologist. He uh, very well respected as a scientist. He wrote, but he wrote the the, the book The God Delusion, which oh. popularized the notion of of atheism and actually began the began like almost single handedly began the new the new atheist movement back in the early two thousands, which was uh, which was relative uh, at the beginning it was relatively positive for atheists to be able to say like, I am an atheist, mm-hmm. but then he quickly got his own head stuck in his own bottom. Dawkins contends that a supernatural creator almost certainly does not exist, and that religious faith is a delusion. A delusion. That's the point of the, the God delusion. And uh, and he's became extraordinarily anti-Muslim. Great. Uh, extraordinarily, his his sexism started just vomiting out of his mouth. Uh, we he the women in the atheist movement uh, were like, we need to get some like. There's a lot of sexism, a lot of hostility towards women in the atheist movement. And Richard Dawkins was like, grow up. No, there isn't. And uh, that caused a great schism in the atheist movement. And that's when you, like, all the men's rights activists and all the loathsome uh, fedora tipping milady <laughs> neckbeards started. The nice uh, guys. Yeah, the nice guys and the, uh, and the uh, actual progressives separated. And that began like the huge, the huge movement away from Dawkins atheism into positive social justice atheism for many people. And I can imagine Lala Ward finally just getting sick and tired of Richard Dawkins' mouth and uh, and wanting to get away from him. That's my little, that's my little, uh, that's my opinion on, on a, Richard Dawkins. There's a mini section in here on the Wikipedia article called Fathering the Meme. Yes. And it's very frustrating because meme is a great word. It is. And he basically created it. Yeah. It was his word. Like, it's so wild that, like, I knew the word meme from the selfish gene, and then it suddenly started becoming a, a, a term, mm-hmm. and I was like, what? Like, that, the term meme? And then, yeah, it was, yeah, he, he the, the word meme is, is all things to have. He didn't create any fun memes, though. He didn't create, like, it's your boy. <laughs> like, he, he didn't create that. He didn't, he didn't create a... He didn't create I can't ask cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, wouldn't it be funny if cats spoke in, in broken English? Or like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if Willy Wonka said sarcastic things? It says in the last sentence of this is uh, James something describes Dawkins' concept of the meme as his most memorable, his most famous memorable invention, far more influential than his selfish genes or his later proselytizing against religiosity yeah that's a sentence yeah richard dawkins got lost somewhere inside his own ash tree (laughs) ash tree his ash tree um (laughs) so yeah so the david rudkin uh lawrence gordon clark directed the adaptation and it's a little slow honestly i think that this story could have been told in like a 15 to 20 minute mini thing yeah 
but it's available if you if you if you, you google it you can watch it <laughs> i think it's i think it's fine fine yeah. enough like i it, don't it, like how like in your face it is uh-huh i think it loses something because of that mm-hmm the spider puppets are weird, but I enjoy weird, uh, weird puppets and animatronics. Yeah, I think they're cool. I just think that it lost some of its spookiness because it was so like upfront about what everything was. Yeah, but it unlike, was very uh, in your face, like I said. Yeah. And unlike a lot of uh, Mr. James stories, the Ash Tree doesn't uh, really rely a lot on. A lot of Mr. James stories depend on like. You accidentally unearthed this artifact and took it out of its like resting spot, and now you're being haunted by a ghost, or you picked up this cursed artifact, or you read this old manuscript and accidentally brought something back. Like a lot of his stories deal with like s- scholars acting alone, like very like older men mm-hmm. uh, acting alone, uh, lonely older men uh, doing something, uh, digging into knowledge they didn't even realize they shouldn't be digging into and accidentally bringing something after them. And the ash tree really isn't that. It's just, you just happen to move into the wrong house. It's kind of unusual for Mr. James. Yeah. Um, but it is a, it is, you know, like if you're going to choose, I mean, if you're going to choose an Mr. James story, it's, it's got a shocker ending. It's got ghoulish spider monsters and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, dead witch giving birth to those ghoulish spider monsters. So, at least in the adaptation, it does. Yeah, I mean, it's Im- sort of implied in the book, but like Is most it? Mr. James, you can you can read around and come up to your own, come up with your own conclusions yeah. because it says that they are like her pro not her progeny, but like the young ones shall also suck the blood or whatever. Yeah, but I mean, like, like children doesn't like necessarily always refer to like the birth children. Of- right, right. No, I see. I see what you're saying. They didn't necessarily crawl out of her body. Yeah. Right. And it is a little messy, like you said, with, like, she's presumably a, an innocent woman, but then all of a sudden she's an actual witch. Like, what I is always, she? I always liked the idea of, like, witches coming back from the dead, not because they were witches in their real lives, but because they were killed so unjustly and so horribly that their spirits were granted power yeah. in the after. That's what yeah. I always, like, think. Like, these women weren't witches before, but your cruelty has twisted them into something that they never wanted to become. Yeah, that makes sense. Who knows with with Anne Mother Soul though. We don't get a whole lot of her we don't get her story. No, we don't. Has anyone ever written a is has anyone ever written any fanfic about Mother <laughs> Anne Mother Soul? I would be interested. I would be interested. I wonder if Anne, or not even fanfic, but like like uh like is there a published like story that expands on on and mother soul from this story like tells her side i would love to know that's her my, side that's of gonna story. be my first published story yeah do it <laughs> do it i would be i would be uh interested in knowing i just searched for it and all i found is a bunch of stuff about uh people trying to find uh help for single mothers and a lot of quotes about a mother's soul support a mother's soul custody a mother's yeah, look soul out, heir look out for a an adaptation of M.R. James's The Ash Tree told from the woman's perspective. Yeah, I'd love to see it. I would love to know it. Well, that is The Ash Tree. Uh, not, It's hard to say out loud. Uh, that is the Ash Tree by M.R. James. You can find it in a Ghost Stories of an Antiquary if you wanna if you wanna just find a bunch of M.R. James stories. Of course, it is in uh, the first volume of The Dark Descent, The Color of mm-hmm. Evil. So you can look for that as well. What uh, do you think about this one being in the book called The Color of Evil? 
I like it because the evil doesn't necessarily have to do with her actions. Mm-hmm. The evil is is the execution of a woman who wasn't doing anything wrong, who wasn't hurting anyone. Well, she was anyone. trespassing. Well, yeah, okay, but... No one deserves to be killed because they were trespassing, though. She was, she was climbing a tree. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, a great evil was was committed on her, and that evil has just now, like, gotten into the into the into the soil and is coming out of the tree to mm-hmm. to curse it's maybe, a curse it's maybe. the grudge basically yeah uh we're not going to talk about the grudge though i actually nope. haven't watched any more of that <laughs> that is fine that is fine that is fine i don't need i don't need to watch a show about domestic violence <laughs> nope nope that is uh willow is referring to the the netflix adaptation of uh Zhuan, uh which is uh, horrific and and i haven't even gone back after episode four i've started watching glee instead Ugh, which is a gross. very even worse why would very you do this? a very different experience <laughs> willow what is the next story from the dark descent well we talked a bit about motherhood in this episode uh i don't know anything about this story it's just called the new mother so the new mother uh uh, a story from the 1800s by our first uh, woman writer, Lucy Clifford. So uh, I have read it. I have read it several times, and it's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, it, it is. It is so popular that there are reverberations of it throughout other short stories and novels. It's uh, like scary stories. Like scary tell stories. Dark. Are. So see. Uh, so we'll see what your thoughts are on this. I I really enjoy. I think it's a it's a it's a neat little tale. So I am curious to see what you think of. Uh, Lucy Clifford's The New Mother, the uh, the next story in The Dark Descent. She's another person who has a letter, letter, last name, name. Letter, letter, last name, name? Yeah. Wait, Because she's, she's called Lucy Clifford, but she's also known as Mrs. W.K. Clifford. Oh, 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 I see. Uh, the W.K. is for wacky. No, it's for William Kingdon. Oh. <laughs> uh, so that is it. That is uh, that is the next. That this is the latest episode of the Dark Descent. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, you can find us at Del Toro Time. Wait, what is what is our what is <laughs> it's our? Del Toro Time. No, it's Del Toro Time. WordPress.com. Oh, okay. Or you like, can find us. Forgotten the uh, name of our show. <laughs> yeah, or you can you can find us on Twitter as well. Just search for it's Del Toro Time. Uh, anything else? No. No, not at all. Well, everybody, I'm Phil. And I'm Willow. And we'll see you when it's, it's Del, Del Toro, Toro time. time. Do you want to say goodbye? Goodbye. <laughs> that sounded like one of them spider babies. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs>